Founded Conversa back many, many years ago, 2001. First year did, you know, you know, very little in revenue, call it 20K. This was just before 9-11, remember. In 2010, past 3 million. Now he's at about $10 million in ARR, helping 1,000 agencies and those agencies serving businesses with call tracking, attribution. What is a call worth? Is that channel worth it? How can our sales force get smarter based off the audio on, you know, sales calls that are going well versus ones doing poorly? Super healthy payback period of nine months, 3% logo churn monthly, just made a major acquisition. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year -year growth rates, customer counts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing though, this that database, I keep it to myself, it's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jeremiah Wilson. He founded a company called Converza over 15 years ago. As the patent-holding inventor of the Maculon, the original passive remote conversation monitoring device and sales management system, he shaped the call tracking and marketing analytics industry, which is what obviously Converza does. He's positioned the capital raises. He's sorry. He's positioned for capital raises and recent acquisition. Jeremiah, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. When you say you're positioned for recent acquisition, what does that mean? Well, we acquired a company two years ago, a portion of one of our competitors, so we could expand our customer base. We felt like they had uh, customers that were not, they were using a basic plan, and we felt we could add our component on top. And ARPU expansion. Yeah. Did it work? It is. It is uh, not been as smooth as I'd, I'd like after two years, but it never uh, is. It's still yet to be proven. Got one it. Or the other. And how did you uh, did, like? How did you find that asset to buy? Were they looking to sell or? Oh, that's a complicated one. Uh, there's a lot of pieces. We had a, a legacy training business where the Maculon that you referred to when we started 15 years ago was for recording calls for training purposes, coaching people on their sales performance. And and uh, I was looking to move out of that so we could entirely focus on the marketing side. And in the process of doing that, they were a buyer and we ended up buying them as well. So Interesting. Okay, so tell us, uh, give us an example for those not familiar with call tracking. What does Converza do and how do you make money? What's your revenue model? Yeah, call tracking in its simplest form is anybody who takes inbound phone calls and, and spends money to make that phone ring needs to know where somebody came to, to, to click or call, what ad they saw. And we provide them a number to know which ad they called on. Uh, whether it's digital, or print, or billboard, that number is unique, somebody calls it, and we can say that's the call that it came from. That's that's call tracking in its cleanest form. And then the other component that, that we are, more, quite frankly, more proud of is that we're actually listening to the call recording with 
with machine learning and able to come back to them, not just with keywords, but with phrases that say, this was a good marketing call. In other words, you drove the kind of call you wanted from a marketing standpoint and from a sales standpoint, you were able to convert the sale or you missed it and you need to do something about it. So we can tell them what actually happened once the call is actually connected. So you know, top salesperson A at company ABC used the phrase, uh, what price works for you seven times in the last three minutes, people not hitting the quota only use it once in the first two minutes, those people should change. Bingo. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Now that's, that, that's part two, because part one is what drove the call. That's highly important to a marketer. Attribution. Of, and then, yeah, the attribution. And then the second piece is what you just referred to on a sales side. Now, how do you track attribution in terms of what that sale actually becomes worth? What does it close for? Do the salespeople have to report closed deals back to the system? Uh, so they don't have to because the system does that for them. Uh, and, and that's been the breakdown in the past is you're waiting for, it's it's the data hygiene. How well do they type in what, what happened? We don't have to worry about that because we're going to actually send the trigger from the call right into the Salesforce or whatever the CRM is that they're using. Well, so like, let's say you, and I, you just called me to buy Nathan's book company membership LLC for a grand a month. And on the phone, I'm going, hey, yeah, Jeremiah, great. But you know what? You know, uh, let me, I'll follow via email. I'll see if I can work out a discount for you uh, if you email your list about our product because you're big. You could be a big distribution partner. Okay, end the call. I then follow up via email and say, "Here's a $700 per month plan." If you attributed that call with your call tracking, you attributed at a thousand because that's what you heard on the phone. How do you follow up from other data sources? Yeah, so there's a lot to that question, but from from other data sources, you're referring to our conversation analytics in particular. Yeah, like how would you, again, let's say someone spent uh, $1,000 to get you to call me via a billboard ad. I'm making this up, right? Your attribution, because of the voice data you heard on the phone, is 1000 per month when the deal actually closed at 700 per month, which yep. may or may not inflect if I use that billboard channel over and over again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to know, number one, that that billboard drove it. So we're going to know it's a $1,000 call. And we're going to hear on the conversation that you closed it at 700. That's what you're saying. And then we're going to be able to say you're losing money on this particular deal. Now, how would you get to 700, though? That's what I'm confused about. You can you, you program to hear it. You're going to hear whatever you want to hear. No, but it uh, wouldn't it wouldn't be via audio because that, that's why I gave that example because this happens a lot when I'm on phone calls. It's like, hey, our average price is like five grand per month, but let me follow up via email with something special for you. And I, you know I what I'm see. saying? Yeah. Do you that's have a way to track piece. that? Okay. That's not our piece. Our piece is strictly the attribution of where the lead came from and the conversation. If it's something afterward, that's not our objective here. Our objective is strictly the audio, strictly the call. Got so, it. How do you make so, money? But, but how you would do that is you would, of course, in the CRM, track it all theirs, whatever CRM you're using. So, so we're at a time right now where this data is available, but quite frankly, very few people are, are, are capable or want to be capable to get in and actually connect all the pieces. You can do it. There is closed-loop attribution. You can get what you want, but are people really going to take the time to pull all the API and, and connectors in to actually get the data? Uh, we're finding Debatable. 10%. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's 10% of your customer base actually closing kind of the full attribution loop and the and means of tracking it. Yep. Interesting. Um, how do you make money? Well, that that's it. I mean, the, the, we, now, what's the sale? Like, sorry, is it a SaaS thing or is it per call? Is SAS. it per number? Yeah. SaaS. Okay. Build and, a look against and, what? And because of the nature of it, it is also a, a platform fee plus minutes. Uh, you'll get a base set of minutes 
Uh, and then of course, anything that goes over that would be billed out per minute. Yeah, great, that's super helpful. What's the average customer, would you say, paying you per month? Our target, uh, our average customer is about 600. Okay, our, got Our sweet spot is that $2,500 customer. That's gonna be your agency who's got multiple advertisers that they support. Uh, but we also have the mom and pop paying $29 and we have the enterprise paying $100,000 a month. Yep, so that 600 is kind of an average between the base platform fee plus the average number of minutes or calls they're buying per month. Exactly. And is that per business or per seat that the on the business? business. Okay, and how many typically, How are they buying seats and do you increase ARPU and drive ARPU expansion with seat expansion? Yeah, so uh, typically that, that would be the case if they were specific to the agent, but typically that's not the case because this is the marketer that's driving it. And so it's usually the seat for the marketer or maybe there's two seats for the marketer. So that's not really a factor here. Interesting, okay, good. Okay, that's helpful to understand. All right, take us more to the backstory here. So you said you launched, it sounds like you're an inventor or heavy engineering. You, you had this patent, patented technology. This was back in what year? Uh, 2001. Okay, and, and is that accurate? I mean, did you come from a heavy engineering background? How'd you come up with this idea? No, you know, I'd love to tell you I'm a genius and have all this electrical engineering or whatever the case may be, but I'm not. Uh, the reality is um, I was an, a national trainer at a company out of Ohio, and I was going around the country teaching people how to, how to sell. And uh, we would use uh, phone calls where we would call up posing as a customer. And so uh, we had this ongoing monthly plan with, with our clients where they would, uh, they would learn the skills that I would teach them face to face. I'd be out and, you know, somewhere Pennsylvania and I teach them this skill and then we and then the next month we would call up posing as a customer and we would uh, see how they did did they actually apply the skills that we had taught them and, we would been, and then we would take that recording and coach them pretty cool program I think it was quite helpful but a lot of my clients especially the ones in the more complicated like heavy equipment industry or HVAC the, the ones where they had to get more technical it was real easy to find out uh, that it was a fake call and it started to lose its value and so um, as, as just a trainer, I was in my 20s at the time, uh, people would come up to me and they're like, ah, I like what you guys are doing, but I'm not gonna continue with you. So I would come back six months later and there, there wasn't a deal there and it was, it was disappointing. And I looked for a solution. So uh, they wanted a live call, a live call recording. Well, this is you know, 2000, uh, 2001. And you'd have to purchase a, a very expensive, it was like a nice or witness phone system that would actually get plugged in on top of your Avaya system or AT&T, uh, whatever you were using. And, and uh, it was very expensive. So these small guys couldn't do it. Uh, you know, they're not gonna spend $100,000 or even $10,000 for that matter to record two or three people sitting at one of their branch locations. So I went out looking for a way, how can I inexpensively record these, these folks at their location? And this was before voice over IP really had a, a foothold in, in the world. It, it existed, but it really wasn't there. And, and so uh, I, I, there's this little thing called the stick. It, was, it would hook up to a fax machine and allow you to switch from your fax machine to your credit card reader remotely. And then you also had this little device that you could plug into a computer and it would uh, record your calls on your on your computer and your hard drive and I took those two devices I sat down with an electrical engineer and I said look I know I can dial in remotely and switch uh, from this fax to this credit card machine and I know that I can record onto a hard drive I needed a device that will do both of those things together so I can dial in remotely and this is all analog no nothing digital at the time 
and uh, we were able to make it. Uh, I was able to get my price point where I wanted it. I bought a hundred of them to get started with. What it cost August, you to buy when you bought a hundred of them? What's that? What it cost you when you bought a hundred? Seventy thousand total. Okay, got it. Yeah, and that was R and D plus, yeah. you know, plus the cost of the. Well, what was? Do you remember? Like, so taking it again, two thousand one. Do you remember what first year revenue was? It was well. That's the point. So August two thousand one. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Well, not an easy date. A month later, yeah. nine eleven hits. Right. So, so here I was with my seventy thousand dollars. You know, second mortgage on my home. Bought all this equipment. Have these cool little devices. In fact, I'll grab one real quick. As yeah, we're yeah I'd love to see it. But um, and then nine eleven hits a month later. So guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see he's walking back in his office here near his window, grabbing one of these devices for us to uh, for us to check out. So this is this was the uh, Apple Green device, you know, the first <laughs> first one. This was the prototype. If you're if you're watching on That's the screen, amazing. We eventually upgraded and made it digital, uh, not just analog, but a very simple thing. But it didn't exist. So you know, this allowed me to remotely dial in, listen to four different people at their location so I could get a live call recording, record it onto the internet, which again was, you know, 2001, people were going, wow, you're taking, you're taking this, you know, internet and you're making it something I can use. You know, this is what these heavy equipment guys would be saying, for example, it was, it was fascinating to watch them. But uh, your, your question about first year revenue, you know, the first six months I had one client, uh, they paid me probably $20,000 if I remember right. That's and, amazing. What and, did you and, fast forward us just because we're, we're running out of time here, but fast forward us. So 2010, what'd you do in revenue? Uh, Three million. Okay, that's pretty. So that's healthy, right? What was the key? I mean, what did you find? Was it really just September 11th that kind of hurt you early on, or was there a key inflection point in those ten years that helped you drive sales? That helped me drive the sales. Yeah, bro. Uh, it, it was it was listening to the customer and then uh, doing what they needed, even if my margin wasn't good, and then figuring out how to make my margin better later on. Yep. Now, have you bootstrapped uh, all the way up to date, or have you raised capital? And if so, how much? So after 2010, we raised capital uh, over a number of, of rounds, 24 million. 24 million total. Okay. So, uh, I, I, would you do what pattern did you follow? Was it a convertible note, and then priced, 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 or what? Uh, that's an important one, I think, for, for anybody out there looking for raising money. I, I have not found angel investors or, or, or investors in general uh, to be a good source of, of, of revenue, a uh, good source of investment for us. Um, my investor is a private investor. Uh, I'm not his typical investment. Uh, I happen to be working with one of his companies uh, as a as a vendor. Got they, did, it. They, they, they liked what we did and he called me up and said, I'd like to fly out and meet you and see if we, you know, if this is something I want to invest in. And, and, and so uh, it was, it was proof. But equity, based. right? Not debt. That's correct. Yep. Got it. Well, that's, I mean, look, that's, that's the best way to do it. You know, people, especially people that listen to the show, I mean, a lot of them are in San Francisco or New York city. They think kind of VC is the only way to do it, but those terms can be not so friendly when you start looking at dilution or even like the discount and the interest and things like that on a convertible note. Control, so, ability control, to function, totally ratchet clauses, you make exits, yep. liquidation preferences. Totally. I, 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 with this acquisition, it didn't go the way I wanted to. It's, it's still, again, yet to be proven how it's going to work out. But uh, if I were, if I, if I had to sit there and go, well, my investor is saying this, this, and this to me, it would change my actions right now, and I would not be making the right decision for the company. And I don't have to listen to what they are wanting. I have to do what's best for the company, and yeah. that's the difference with my investment. What are you at now today in terms of total customers using you? Well, so that's. 
we have we have over a thousand customers, but that's not the the whole story um, because they're agencies, remember. And so those agencies' customers could also be called our customers. And, and in general, in our industry, we'll we'll call it fifty thousand customers. Uh, we actually have fifty thousand unique businesses using our tracking numbers. Fifty thousand. Yeah. And. Uh... And when you, so take me back, you said earlier the average price point was 600 bucks. That's what the agency is paying typically or the actual 50,000 business is paying? Agency. Okay, the agency is typically paying that. Yeah, All right. we're, we're over 10 million, just over 10 million. Yeah, I was gonna say, so, so, so uh, okay, well, 10 million is even more. So 1,000 customers, it sounds like your average revenue per customer is probably higher than 600 bucks per month if you're doing more than $10 million in ARR. Yes. What's your goal, 2017? It's the holiday party, your champagne toasting because you hit X ARR goal. What's X? In 2017? Yeah, this year. Fast forward. Uh, you know, I it's a longer story than you're probably going to have time for, but it's $10 million. I My goal right now is to migrate these customers from the acquisition and then start fighting for the next goal. Wait, so you, sorry, you said earlier you're at your past $10 million ARR already, or, or is that your, that's your goal for the end of the year? I'm, I'm planning on staying flat where I'm at. Got just it. Just past $10 million. Got it. Getting this acquisition done, getting it off my back. Uh, those are problems. I'm, you know, every business has them. We're yep. stuck and now get past that. But so this is valuable, right? This is one of those things where, if you were having a board meeting or VCs, they're going, hey, Jeremiah, sorry, we have to replace you. You are flat. Like, we need to return at the end of this year. But you have the luxury of doing and making the right decisions because of how you've chosen to fund the company. Exactly. Really smart. What's gross churn, logo churn monthly? Uh, 3%. Because that's pretty healthy. Uh, and then do you, have you, do you have a team in place where you're really good at driving expansion revenue to the point where net revenue churn is negative? That is that is the key thing we've been focused on the last two years, and I can tell you it's it actually we're, we're actually getting past that point, and a lot of that's just because of the migration. It's it's not the I don't have the cleanest story for yeah. you because we're in the middle of that acquisition. Generally speaking, uh, I mean, give me if you can. Let's say someone's coming over from this acquisition, they were paying a hundred bucks to the company before you bought them. Do you feel good about the playbook you're using where you know that $100 customer is going to turn into a $110 customer when they were new a year later? Well, that was, of course, the pitch when we uh, raised yeah. the money for the acquisition. <laughs> And, um, and, 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 you know, I think, I think it's important for anybody looking at an acquisition, you know, we did our due diligence and a lot of people right now would sit there and go, did you really do your due diligence? Look at this stuff that's cropping up. And like what, what's cropped of, up? What's a surprise? A lot of surprises. I think price compression is the biggest one. We bought a book of business and those customers, when they, when they look at it, go, I like what I've got, but if I'm going to be purchased by another company, why don't I go see what the competitors are doing? Interesting. And that's painful. Interesting. Yet just giving them the moment to go do research creates a liability for you. Yeah. Interesting. What's the team size at now? 66. And what percent of the, or how many of those are sales folks? Seven. Seven. And how many engineers? 25. All kind of all based in, in the U.S. or you have remote teams? Yeah. So we, we, that is, I think one of our, well, I guess it won't be so secret at this point, but that's one <laughs> of our strategies at this point is um, we've actually built a really strong team in India. Oh, wow. uh, and that 66, by the way, doesn't include India. I have a whole, I have a group of uh, 40 in addition to that in India that are actually um, augmenting our engineering team. So 25 in the States, 40 uh, in India. So if you include India, you've got about 106 employees. Yeah. Interesting. And you obviously have massive leverage there in terms of human capital. Yeah. Yeah. What is, where are you guys based in the U.S.? 
Draper, Utah, and then we also have a, a, an office in Agora Hills, California. That's great. Very cool. Uh, last few questions here before we wrap up with the Famous Five. So, um, obviously, you did a major acquisition, uh, and that obviously you acquired customers that way. But are you doing anything like with previous cohorts before that in terms of customer acquisition? And if so, what were the what's your kind of average customer acquisition cost pre-acquisition? Pre-acquisition, it was twelve hundred dollars. Yep. So did you just t literally take their customer base, multiply times 1200 or maybe give yourself a little discount and that's how you got the price? Um, yeah, that and then also just, um, uh, we also looked at the weighted average capital of cost and also were able to put in uh, what's, that what's mean, going Jeremiah? on. Well, it, it's it's us being able to look at what the market is actually saying that, that call tracking is worth. Regardless of what our acquisition cost was, uh, call tracking itself is worth this. And in this case, it was less than one time multiple. And so being able to take that into the equation when we, when we decided what the capital would be worth. Got it. And of the thousand kind of agency customers you're working with today, how many of those came directly from the acquisition, would you say? Uh, 500. 500. Okay. So, I mean, this was a, this was a serious, this was a doubling your business kind of acquisition or, or at least on, on, in the pro forma, doubling your business kind of acquisition. Actually, it was more than doubling. That's amazing. Yeah. Interesting. What do you assume lifetime value is on one of your customers? There's different ways for us to calculate it, but I'd say lifetime value is four years. Yep. Yeah, makes makes about the right sense. Now, are you? It sounds like you're mainly focused on getting these customers transitioned from the acquisition. Are you doing any other paid spend to generate other leads, Facebook ads, Google ads, things like that? We are. Yeah, okay. we've started that up in the past six months. Again, where are you spending money? Uh, as far as whether it's Google ads or, or yeah, like what what medium? Um, our best source for the past decade has been webinars, which don't cost us anything. Um, How do you fill them? We uh, we fill them by partnering with uh, similar associations or um, publications in the space, and we share our list with them. They share their list with us. I was going to say, how do you incentivize them? So no, you're not paying them any affiliate cut or anything like that. It's just sharing each other's lists. Yeah. How, how do you? We do AdWords too, by the way, but uh, okay. that's our biggest source is webinars. So like, give me a sense of size. Last month, what'd you spend on paid spend? Sixty-five hundred. Okay, so this is fairly small. This is less, like almost 1% of your revenue. It's literally me saying, make sure that when somebody types in Conversa, they find us. Make sure when they type in call tracking, <laughs> they find us. Just get the minimum stuff on that. Let's make our money uh, in the easy money with webinars. Yep, and then it, with a CAC of 1200 and a monthly ARPA of about 600 bucks. I mean, is that about accurate in terms of payback period? It's about two months? Um. No, it's not because our average customer starts at about 200 and grows from there. Got it. Got it. So what would you say your payback period is currently? I would say it's nine months right now. Nine months. And are you happy with that? I am. Yeah. yeah. That's. I mean, that's pretty healthy. Uh, I think many a traditional VC, if they were looking at that, would go, hey, you can afford to actually spend more per customer. But you're at a good spot right now. Nine months is your payback period. That's great. Specifically with a SaaS, it's typically over 12 months. So I am happy with nine months. Yeah, no, that's really great. Um, any weird costs above the line or is your gross margin in line with other SaaS companies, you know, the 85 to 90% range? I had the opportunity to sit down with the with the CEO and and uh, a couple of them from our competitors, and we range all over the board on what we're doing with regards to that. Um, I've got some uh, that are that are running their business with 25 employees and others at 100. So, um, well, we're sorry, all gross the... gross margin, not net gross. So just like your hard costs. 
Um, yeah, ask me the question again, then yeah, I yeah, yeah. was thinking a long I'm, way around. For yeah, that. I know you were thinking, I think maybe about net because you were giving me employee counts, which is typically below the line. I mean, your hard cost processing fees, servers, spinning up all these numbers for tracking, like what's your gross margin, top line margin? 60%. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that's still actually, that's pretty low for SaaS. What are some weird costs you have above the line that I wouldn't anticipate? Well, again, uh, we chose, so our competitors are using uh, uh, companies like Twilio, um, yep. where, they, where they're actually not doing the engineering themselves. We built out our own um we built out our own platform. So we are our own phone provider and that, that has cost Got us much it. than our competitors have. That's exactly it. Yep, that, that's that's why I always love asking that question. So you strategically made the decision to make that a fixed cost for you because you will get economics of scale over time with that. However, in the short term, you're paying you know, for that call to happen, you're, the bandwidth, all that stuff. The same, with, the same with the machine learning, they're using third-party devices, we built it in-house. All right, guys, I have to let you in on a little secret. Those of you that spend a lot of time on Instagram or following very wealthy people and you see them take that beautiful picture walking up onto the jet, you know, with their leather suitcase and their with their expensive baggage and everything, they don't actually own the jet. They do something much smarter. They've signed up for a service called Jet Smarter, which is a mobile app that is doing some very interesting things in the private air travel industry. Now, I love Jet Smarter. It allows me to get anywhere I want on a jet very quickly via their mobile app but more importantly you sit down and you know 2e right there's only six seats on the whole flight but you sit down in 2e and the person right right next to you right is the ceo of some of the big software company and you get deals done you become friends it's an unbelievable community so to get started today download the jet smarter app and use code latka l-a-t-k-a to become part of the world's largest members only private aviation community and discover really a smarter way to fly Hopefully I see you on my next charter. All right, Jeremiah, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? 48 Laws of Power. Good one, Robert Greene. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? No. Okay, number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like HostGator? Like what? HostGator, it's a hosting company. Any online I... tool you use for your business? Yeah, um, I'm going to say... Uh, it's my Salesforce app. And, and is that Salesforce? Like sale, the, the Salesforce.com app? Yeah. Got it. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Six. Six. <laughs> That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single? You have kids? Six children, married 20 Six? years. Six? Holy crap. How young is the youngest? Yeah, well, that's the crazy part. My daughter's now just started in college this uh, last week, and my uh, seven-month-old wow. um, is still not crawling very well. Holy mackerel. That's amazing. How do you manage this business and six is your wife focus on like basically family and house and chores and yeah, things like yeah. yeah yeah that's what she does that's amazing okay uh and and sorry how old are you 42 okay last question take us back 22 years what do you wish your 20 year old self knew <laughs> i wish i knew everything i didn't know <laughs> anything at all I, I i i wish i believed in myself more at 20 there you guys have it he wishes he believed in himself more at 20 again founded conversa back many many years ago 2001 first year did you know you know very little in revenue call it 20k this was just before 9 11 remember in 2010 past 3 million now he's at about 10 million dollars in arr helping 1000 agencies and those agencies serving businesses with call tracking attribution what is a call worth is that channel worth it how can our sales force get smarter based off the audio on you know sales calls that are going well versus ones doing poorly 
early, super healthy payback period of nine months, 3% logo churn monthly, just made a major acquisition uh, and is focused right now on getting those customers onboarded, basically almost doubles or more than doubles his business with his team of 66 folks in the US and 40 in India. Jeremiah, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.